I got a question for you. Are you properly developing your people during the summer? Well, if you're not, you're going to find out how to do it on today's show. Now, before we get started, I want everyone to know that we launched our online pricing course this month. If you're a member, you can access the course by going to Contractor Training, Online Classes, then click the Pricing button. This module deals with the exact steps to setting up your pricing properly so you can run a profitable business. This week, we're going to continue our Seizing the Summer series. This week, we're going to talk about leadership with Mr. Gary Ellix. Take it away, Gary. Hi, I'm Gary Ellix. Welcome back to Contractor University. We're here today, and we're going to talk about when summer is raging, and I mean rage, we are going to talk about how to maintain the development of your people. As one of the things that falls down in a lot of organizations, contracting is a difficult business to begin with. Then we start doing seasonality, and we start getting into these red flag conditions, which is where we are right now. And uh, you know, there's just everything we can do to answer the phone, put the jobs in, maintain our head above water, uh, which is great because we complain about not having it. And then when we have it, what happens is you know, we start uh, doing battlefield triage. And one of the problems with battlefield triage is we start setting things down. And the question becomes, what, what's acceptable to set down and what is not? So one of the things that we've determined that's not is training and development of our people. So it's awfully, awfully easy to put down uh, the training side and say, we're too busy. We can't have our monthly meeting. We can't have our weekly meeting. We can't have our daily tech training. Um, I understand completely the emotional sentiment behind that. But I'm going to build a case for the business logic that the pain that it takes emotionally to say it's more important for us to actually make sure that you are in a room and understand alignment and quality and execution. And that hour that we take to do that or that you know, hour and a half that we take to actually do a performance review outweighs the benefit of the extra service call. And what I mean by that is if, if I do uh, six service calls in a day and now I can only do five because I did the one hour of training, the question becomes, are the five that I do going to become more productive, productive enough that they cover up the loss of that sixth call? Uh, or in this case, if you're doing more than that, then you know, you're going to lose a call if it's an hour. So we, I mean, that's obvious. So if, if the average ticket's 350 in service and the gross profit you know, dollars are $100 an hour to average a two-hour call, we're basically $200 out of 350. We'd like to see that a little higher, but I mean, it is what it is. So I got to recover the 200 bucks. So what that means is the other five remaining calls would have to be $200 better spread out over the five calls. Or you know, if you did 200 divided by five, you start doing the math and you ask them, you know, can I get $40 more per call uh, if my guys and gals are trained properly? And it's going to be an awfully hard argument to say that you can't because then we're talking about price optimization and other things. So the point of battlefield triage is it's, you, you do have to set things down because you can't do everything and do the technical work. But the, the dilemma of not developing your people while summer or winter, if you're in the northern markets, um, you know, this concept goes beyond just this topic that we're talking about right now in the middle of summer. When it's raging and your world is on fire, you have to decide what the priorities are. What is more important to your people? The time and attention and the quality and the perseverance that you give to them to teach them that you care about them 
as much as you care about the profit? Or is it really all just about getting the work done? And I think you need to measure that in your own mind as a leader and ask, ask that question. So uh, I'm going to take over the whiteboard. I'm going to show you what I think some of the basics are. I'm not uh, prepared to say that this is an all-inclusive list. It's not. If you go to the human resources uh, section of the contracting best practices library, you're going to see section 13, human resources. There's probably 15 or 16 major core best practices that apply. Uh, but these are some core elements that, that basically say to your service technician or your plumbing technician, your supervisors, your managers, your customer service manager, your call center manager, your service manager, your ops manager, your sales and marketing person, your sales and marketing manager, your executive team. You run this business, but it's up to them to make it work. And they're, the, they're really uh, your customer, uh, not the end retail consumer. So if we think about it that way as an inverted pyramid that I'm, I'm essentially the smallest person in the company and my job is to support the team and the team's job then is to support the customer. What you're gonna have is you're gonna have a culture that's built around training, teaching, development, and you gotta give feedback and that's necessary. So let's go to the whiteboard. All right, so one of the hardest things we do as leaders is to, uh, is to coach because, first of all, giving people feedback uh, requires some art and some skill. You need to understand and prepare, and you need to be focused on what you're going to say and uh, direct it towards a purpose. Why am I giving this person this feedback? To what end? How am I trying to develop this individual? So with that in mind, as summer rages, we have the question, should we triage and sit down employee development, leadership development? And I think the answer is no. Uh, we maintain the course because that's going to produce a better culture, and culture is what drives the business forward. So if I'm a $2 million company and I want to be $10 million, I can't have a management team that's going to act like a $2 million management team. So I got to develop them. When am I going to do that? I can't just develop them during the shoulder season. Heck, I don't even have the cash flow during the shoulder season in most cases. So we have to be thinking about this as consistency. Uh, Wally Weldon Long, who is a New York Times bestselling author, as, like, as he likes to say, he wrote a book. He wrote actually three books, but this particular book, The Power of Consistency, it, you know, it, it's not a big secret that doing it consistently is what wins the game. So, I mean, if you continue to do the quality things that create execution, what you're gonna end up with is you're gonna end up with a culture that understands how to execute. So let's talk about this. So first and foremost, you gotta do reviews. Whether you do them trimester uh, or quarterly, you gotta do at least three, we do four. These are scheduled out. They should be put on your calendar for the whole year. They are already on my calendar for all the companies. Yes, I dislike them. Yes, I dislike doing them. Yes, I do not like the time commitment that attaches to it. I'm just like you. It's hard to create that time, but I've also learned over my career and experience in developing people. It's the most important thing I do for them. So while uh, it's not great from the standpoint of, oh my gosh, we've got to do a review again, it's a quarter review time. You know, when I'm done with them, I'm energized. And I feel really fantastic that the feedback that we've given to the team members is about helping them. And you can see it in their eyes. They're excited to get the feedback. They're excited about understanding how they can get better. And uh, you know, the younger people in our companies are very, very interested in that. Uh, some of the people that might be more seasoned, uh, like myself. Um, we still love feedback, uh, but we have context. So you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback over time. And so um, it's still important, though, that you get feedback. 
So do the reviews, do them quarterly, make them prepped, uh, go to the section 13, download the review that I have there. There's also a leadership 360 review, 360 degrees, which is where they review us. And so that feedback is equally important to me. Uh, I read through some of those comments and I think, you know, I absolutely, they're right, I can do a better job in these areas. And so it's important because you, what happens is you get a little lazy, you get a little distracted, you get a little tired of doing the same thing. You lose the discipline of consistency because consistency isn't always sexy. And so they tell us, hey, you know, you guys aren't doing this. Uh, uh, I'm not, I, I don't feel like I understand the communication of the core value the right way. Okay, great. Or we need to add a core value was the last comment. Um, you know, are we committed to these types of things? So good feedback, 360 degrees. Second, one-on-ones. You need to say to your direct reports um, every week or every bi-weekly. I do them bi-weekly, uh, so I stagger my companies. Do the one-on-ones. It's an hour, and it's their time. It's lit literally their time. They bring the agenda. They bring the topics. They bring their concerns. Uh, they bring their stuck items. They bring the challenges that they're facing, if they have uh, emotional challenges, uh, employees that are giving them problems, business uh, areas that might be erratic for the manager that they don't have great experience in. They might ask a question, you know, I'm having this problem. What do you think I should do? So it's great opportunities to give one-on-one -on -one feedback and coaching and bring your considerable experience and seasoning and all the things that you've learned, and it's a way to pass through the knowledge, uh, you know, in what I would consider to be like an IV drip. So I want you to think about this. So I have uh, three direct reports. So that's three meetings. I do them typically on Monday. Uh, so I do bi-weekly, which means there's 26 opportunities uh, for one-hour events for three people. So that's 26 hours of coaching that I'm giving to basically a, a team leader, a manager, that needs the 26 hours of coaching. But they're bringing their questions and concerns, and so their absorption is fantastic. They rarely ask me the same question. It's almost always something different. And by the way, if they don't ask some questions, that's when I'll jump in here and I'll throw in my comments about, I need you to be stronger in this area. I need you to be better at this area. I need you to think about this particular thing. I want you to look differently at a problem. This, this happened. This was the problem over here. It wasn't your problem. It was in somebody else's area. What would you have done? And so it's an opportunity for coaching. This is a huge time commitment, 26 hours times three times multiple businesses. So you're talking about a lot of time. However, there's no more important time than the time that you give to that individual. Believe me, they appreciate it, they recognize it, and they value it. It also builds culture and it builds loyalty. And loyalty to you as a leader is something that you desire and you want that. Yet what are you doing as the leader to earn that right? You're not given loyalty. It just doesn't happen. You have to create that. So I've watched organization after organization bring people in that are quality people, not support them, chew them up and spit them out, and the people come out the other side, they go somewhere else, and they're successful. But where they're successful is where they're supported and they're coached in a manner that's consistent with what they wanted. You should think about that. You don't get loyalty, you earn loyalty. And so that's servant-based leadership 101. Give them the time, make the commitment, put yourself in a position. Believe me. I know summer's raging, I get it, but 
you also have to focus on the idea of putting this on your calendar. These calendar events are already on there. Nothing gets to invade those. Obviously, if you're taking vacation with your family, your wife, your kids, that's not on your schedule. The vacation's on your schedule. So you're going to skip that because you knew you planned it. But you don't cancel these meetings. These are some of the most important coaching sessions that you will do. Third on that list, manager once removed. What is that? That's where we assign a mentor in the organization. The direct supervisor does not get to coach all the time. We have a manager that's not connected to that individual once removed. That could be a level up, or it could be a different part of the organization. Their job is to touch this individual once in a while. It's not scheduled. It's not calendared. But we talk about it in our management review meetings about you're assigned this person. So I've got a young leader who I, I'm just so proud of her. I'm so uh, amazed at her progress. Uh, we challenged her. She was in production. And uh, she was doing a great job. And she's got a great personality. And everybody likes her. Uh, but no management experience, young enough that just hasn't had the opportunity yet, uh, but has the skills and was demonstrating that looks like you're going to be a really good, effective leader. Do you want the job? And so, the, well, you know, I don't really know. I mean, I've seen what the job entails, and, you know, it's different. You know, I like my peer relationships. I like going to lunch and socializing. Yeah, when you, when you become a leader and a manager, you can still go to lunch and socialize, but those people now report to you, and you're going to be doing reviews. Sometimes you might tell them, you know, it's a, it's a corrective plan, what we call a personal improvement plan, the PIP, the personal improvement plan. That's no fun. Uh, basically, you're putting people on notice that you've got to fix what you're doing wrong, or you're probably not going to be around. We're going to bless and release you. So because of that, you can't be you know, a manager and a leader and be you know, a social connection the same way that you were. Things will change. So uh, I'm not sure if I want to do that or not. Well, the answer is, yeah, I want to do it. So a lot of inexperience, um, fully unaware of the scope of what it takes to be a leader. But we assigned a manager once removed who's a very adept manager. Uh, we have spent time working with her one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, weekly type coaching sessions, just check-ins. How you doing? What are your challenges? What's going on? And the speed at which the evolution that is being picked up and how quickly she's learning how to be an effective leader and manager is remarkable. And the product category is exploding because of that. She's already re-engineering things and saying, why do we do it that way? Maybe we could do it a different way. We can improve efficiency and we can improve productivity. We should think about this. So she's bringing new ideas and new thoughts, new innovations to the process. So when she was in the production role, she wasn't doing that. <clears throat> but now that she's become a manager, the fact that there's a manager once removed working with her as a mentor, encouraging her to say, you got to step up. Um, you have to mine for conflict. You have to be forthright about your ideas. If, you're, if you have an idea and you don't put your idea out there, it's probably never going to make it out into the business plan. So managers once removed are mentors that are they're about encouraging, about developing, about coaching people to get to that next level. It's some pretty sophisticated stuff, but I got to tell you, it's pretty sexy when you start watching your people grow and you realize that it's because people are actually giving them feedback and they want the feedback. And so but imagine that you just triaged it and you just sat it down because summer was raging and you just decided that it wasn't that important. You would be stymieing that individual's development you know, for four or five months. And I'm not sure that that's in your best interest as a business. I do respect and understand that it is a time requirement, but 
so what I've done is I've said, well, these things have to be first. They're the most important part of leadership, you know, is helping other people develop. Servant-based leadership is getting them to develop. Okay, so the rest of the stuff will fill in the blanks. So I'll triage the other stuff. This doesn't get triaged. This one makes it on the list. Number four, I have all my managers rotate presentations. They don't really love that idea a lot of times because if you don't know anything about a financial statement and Gary just assigned you the responsibility to go ahead and cover the financial statement for the next quarterly meeting, and you got 60 days to prepare and you don't know a lot, two things are going to happen. One, there's a level of anxiety there and you need to understand I'm okay with that. Like I'm trying to get you to realize that you need to be good at this or you're not going to be a good manager. Second, they're probably going to prepare. They're going to ask questions. They're going to learn. Pushing them out of their comfort zone is part of my responsibility. That's what this is about. So I'm not letting them present stuff that they know how to present. I'm pushing them into presenting things that they don't know so that they have to be balanced. They have to learn. They have to learn what the problems are in that department. You know, production operations blames sales for promising stuff that they can't deliver. And sales blames production operations for being you know, persnickety and not wanting to do anything because they're used to their comfort zone and they don't want to change and deliver the customer experience that they promised. So it's this. And so, you know, if you start having somebody actually go into that world and present how you would solve those problems, the world looks different. It looks different when you start walking in other people's shoes. So part of that responsibility is management, quarterly, and company planning meetings is to give them the big stage. And uh, I always tell them, I don't really care uh, how well or poorly you do in terms of the presentation. I care a lot about the fact that you put the effort in to prepare and uh, that you give it your best. And so we'll go from there. If, uh, if it works out, that's fantastic. Um, so I had a manager uh, that we had an opportunity to put in front of the big stage. And uh, the, the discussion was, you got to prepare. A lot of prep went in. That happened. And uh, the presentation was uh, less than spectacular. Let's just say it was uh, below average based on our expectation. Uh, my coaching comments coming out of it were, did you prepare? And the answer was, man, I prepared my you-know-what off. And I said, you did. I, I know you did. I watched you. I had you do presentations to me. What happened? Well, I don't know. When I got there, they, I, I let them ask questions instead of saying questions at the end. And I got distracted. And then I lost train of thought. And I didn't prepare that way. And my preparation was off. Boom. So you had to give a presentation that you didn't technically prepare for because you changed the way you were doing your presentation. You didn't prepare for the questions. So you prepared for the idea that you would do the presentation and then questions would come at the end and they started getting into your mojo. Yeah, that's what happened. Okay, so good learning experience. What are you gonna do next time? Next time I'm gonna hold to my discipline. Okay, great. So the presentation was ineffective. Uh, it didn't help the brand, it didn't help the company, it didn't help that manager in that environment. But in the long run, that manager became a lot stronger. And the next time I gave her the presentation, she nailed it. And she was much more effective. So letting her fail and letting that process play out is a great example of these things don't always work. Like, it's not always going to be great. It's not supposed to be great. It's supposed to be. And you have to create that dynamic and say, I want you to grow into a place. This is out of your comfort zone. You better get into it, figure it out, prep. Put the effort in. That's what's important. That way, when you do it, even if it works or it doesn't work, you're going to learn from the experience and you're going to get better. 
Next on that list is skill development. Everybody's got to have a skill development plan. Skill development doesn't stop because we had COVID-19. Skill development doesn't stop because summer is raging. We are going to read a book this quarter. It's summer. It's busy. We're all busy. You got to develop yourself. You got to read. You got to listen to audio tapes. You got to listen to podcasts. Good Lord, some of you actually probably have to listen to these videos. I feel sorry for you. I'm sorry about that. My apologies. So understanding skill development and development of the individual based on their goals. I usually pick things that are going to be helpful to their career, but I always ask them, you know, what do you want to learn? So somebody told me the other day, I want to learn about the stock market. I want to learn about how investment works. Young person. You know, why, why do my 401k the way they tell me to do it? I don't understand it. So you know, that's an important lesson for life. It doesn't have anything to do with whether or not we install a furnace or an air conditioner correctly. But it's got a lot to do with their success in life and whether or not they're going to be satisfied as culturally as an employee. So on the reviews, I've got a list of items here that I think are legitimate. Everybody should be graded on leadership. Everybody should be graded on how well they're coaching their team and how well they behave against the core values, their goals and performance, accountability, their attitude, their skill development. Those are mandatory. You can have more than that. You can't have less than that. So if your review system and your coaching system does not deal with these five areas in the black, you need to fix that because this is where you push people to get better organizationally. It's how you build a stronger culture. All right, let's go back into the studio and we'll wrap it up. Welcome back into the studio. So easiest thing to do, summer's raging, the world's on fire, uh, people are quitting, uh, people are complaining, customers are complaining, phones are ringing, phones aren't being answered, my paid search program is producing, but my marketing company isn't communicating with me because they're busy. I got all these problems. So it's pretty easy to say, well, I'm going to deal with all the tasks, and I'm going to sit down the stuff that I promised at the beginning of the year on the business plan was important to me, leadership, development of people, you know, and getting the culture of the business built so that maybe I don't have to be quite so task-oriented. Well, that's the easy thing. The hard thing is to say, uh, the triage will be some of those tasks, and I'm going to maintain development. I'm going to maintain uh, getting my people focused on learning, growing, and whatever skill development they had on their plan. I'm going to do my reviews. I'm going to do my one-on-ones. I'm going to do my coaching. I'm going to do management by walking around, MBWA. Uh, just the hard part is maintaining the discipline and consistency of development. So I can't stress that enough. I learned this in my very first manager job when I worked at Lennox Industries. I had a great group of salespeople, and they lacked certain skills. They were really good in certain areas and not very good in other areas. So we developed a training curriculum over a 24-month period, once a month, sales meetings, two days, training, training, training. I made them a deal. I said, I will train you, and you will make more money through this process, but you got to promise me that you will read your emails, you will open up your files and read your marketing programs, and when information gets disseminated, in a way that normally we used to get in a meeting room and hand it to you and read it and go, this is you know the program. And uh, I always felt like that that was a waste of time. Like uh, we're not treating people with responsibility as adults with accountability that if you would read it. 
So the deal I made was be accountable, be an adult, you read it, you, you, you be responsible for it if it comes out that way in that medium, and I'll train you, and you will make more money. And they, they all raised their hand and said, that sounds good. Well, when it gets busy and the phones are ringing, you know, the first thing a salesperson wants to do is pick up the phone and go outside and take the call because that's an order and that fulfills an a, uh, endorphin, it's a comfort zone issue. Uh, and the answer is no, you, you don't get to leave the meeting. You were supposed to tell people you were unavailable from 8 a.m. until 11.30. The meeting's over at 11.30. You know, in other words, we started at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, worked until 6, and then we started at 7 and worked until 11.30. So you had the opportunity to return your calls and do your work. Nobody was being sequestered. So, but that's the natural tendency. No, 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 you can't do that. You have to be here, you have to role play, you have to get better, you have to do the presentation, you have to learn your product, you have to learn your skill sets. So over a period of time, they began to develop those skills, they began to get better, they began to sell more, and they earned more compensation, just exactly like I promised. So I was very young, I was probably 28, 29 at the time, but I felt strongly about it, and what it taught me was that the pain, the short-term pain uh, of the summer rage and the need to s fulfill something that's immediate, the, the Covey matrix, if you will, is technically developed by Eisenhower, you know, so Covey just made it popular. But um, you know, if you look at the Eisenhower matrix, you know, the high urgency, uh, pri low priority in the sense that, well, somebody else has got a high priority, but it's a low priority in terms of your long-term goal. Long-term goal. The long-term goal is a low sense of urgency in training, but it's a high priority. Which one wins? And that's really the question. So I have dedicated my career to doing that, to say that I'll, I'll pay the short-term price and deal with the emotional problem of saying, no, we can't, we can't do that. You've got to set that one down, and you've got to stay in the training. You've got to commit. What that's developed over time is a, a group of leaders. And so the leaders then can respect the company business plan and they can develop the company initiatives. And they're better at training and coaching other people because they were trained and coached. So I'd like to think of it as a coaching tree. And that coaching tree is important because you're influencing people and your company is going to grow and become more profitable because of that. So I understand completely the tendency to want to triage the training and development side of things, not commit to time and energy. Uh, my advice to you is rethink that. Um, I'm not in the business of telling you what to do. I am in the business of making you think about what you're doing. It's up to you to decide what you want to do. My suggestion, as somebody who's done it for a long period of time, pretty successfully, I might add, is that you should think about training and developing as a primary issue for you as a leader and make that a company culture and that is a non-negotiable item. It has to be done. And so I think if you talk to our people in our organizations, they will tell you they really appreciate that, they like that, it builds loyalty, builds a great culture. It also builds accountability around the systems and procedures and everybody that comes into the company then gets engulfed in that. And so we're really building a repetition and consistency. So as always, if you have questions, send me a note through the Ask the Expert portal. We got the uh, uh, Contractor Connect online now on Facebook, so that's fantastic. Use that as a tool. We can comment there. And as always, we appreciate the fact that you're a member of Contracting University. We appreciate your business. It's a great opportunity to serve you. Thank you for the privilege. Take care.
Awesome content right there, as always, from our Seizing the Summer series. Now listen, if you like the content and you're not a member, you can get full access to the series right now. All you gotta do is fill out the form on this page. This is powerful content that you can implement all summer long to maximize your profits and get ready for the dreaded slow season this fall. Well, that's it for today, folks. We'll see you again very soon. Until then, my friends, bye-bye for now.